The podcast is live. The podcast is live. <laughs> now I know what it's like to be pod. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Critically Reclaimed. You've been storing that one in your back pocket for years, a haven't smidge, you? Yeah. A smidge amount of time. Anyway, my name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, uh, this is, uh, should I, I, I should also do like a, a mad scientist. Go for it. Um, <clears throat> and my name is Whitney Seibel. And I have resurrected an armadillo. Uh, I don't know. I got nothing. Um, my name is Whitney Seibold. I'm a film critic, and uh, we're talking about uh, one of the many, 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 many films from director Jesus Franco. <laughs> oh my God, so many films. Uh, this is Critically Reclaimed. This is the podcast where Whitney and I watch an older movie available on a streaming service uh, as chosen by our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Every week we uh, pick a streaming service. And Whitney and I each pick two films that we either haven't seen or haven't seen in forever and barely remember, uh, and let our patrons decide what we're going to dig up. Mm. And uh, we decided that because there's actually a new streaming service in town, it's called Kino Cult, K-I-N-O space Mm. cult, uh, and it is the Kino Lorber streaming service dedicated to cult films. These everything from... um, Classic and not so classic horror movies to weird documentaries and uh, hygiene films and uh, it, it, it's it's got a really cool selection actually. If you're interested in sort of mm. uh, bizarre cult film esoterica, it's not a gigantic selection, but it is also and here's the cool thing: free. It's free with ads, but with it's ads. free. Yeah, the, uh, the ads and... are a few more than I'd like, mm. but not so much that it completely ruins the movie. You know, I think Tubi has the sweet spot of ads. It's like ads about every 10 minutes or so, and that's not so bad. Um, but uh, this is slightly yeah. more than that, but not as bad as a typical YouTube clip, I would say. Oh, golly, no. Yeah, uh, yeah and Kino is a, a pretty well-curated video library. Yep. Uh, they're they're pretty sweet. They have, uh, I guess on, on Kino Cult, they even have a few like notable classics, things like Nosferatu, and uh, yeah. they just put up Metropolis. Uh, and these have, you know, occult appeal, even though these are also cinematic classics, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of overlap between those two things. And if, and if you know the name Kino, uh, Kino mm-hmm. puts the, a lot of these movies out on DVD and Blu-ray in very, very nice editions. Yeah. I've never I've never bought a DVD or a Blu-ray from Kino and thought to myself, ah, oh, they fucked up. Like, no, they do a really good job. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so we wanted to uh, give this a little exploration uh, as soon as it premiered. And, uh, you know, since it's October, we figured, oh, let's focus on their horror stuff. So uh, we put it to you, or put it to our patrons, over at patreon.com slash network. And the film that you chose, it was a a close one, too. It was one of the closest ones we've ever had. I think it came down to one vote. (laughs) Uh, Because it was between the Mario Bava Hercules horror film, Hercules in the Haunted World, which finds Hercules in, like, the 1960s, uh, fighting Christopher Lee, who's basically playing Dracula, and also going to hell. <laughs> that lost by one vote to Jess Franco's The Erotic Rites of Frankenstein. Le château de Barna. La mort habite ses caveaux. Mais une vie nouvelle y sera engendrée. Par la créature de Cagliostro et le monstre de Frankenstein. I cannot say the title of this movie without thinking of that one episode of The Simpsons 
where Marge and Homer were trying to rekindle their sex life. And they had <laughs> oh, they this get... book on tape. Uh, no, it was, it, was a, it was a video. Was it a video? Yeah, they... they uh, I thought it was in their car. Homer had eaten a bad sandwich, and he was laid up in bed while the kids went off to Duff Gardens. And uh, they... <laughs> he was delirious because he really, really wanted to watch Yentl first. And, uh, Are we talking about the same episode? Yeah, and then uh, Marge says, well, I got something in case you're feeling better. It's called The Erotic Adventures of Hercules. That's not what I'm thinking of. Oh. <laughs> I'm thinking of a different episode. I, that's, a, that's, that's, also, right. that's also apropos, with, don't with get me Norm, wrong. With Norman Fell as Zeus. <laughs> that's, listen, that's very apropos, and I'm glad you remembered that. Right. No, the one I was thinking of is they just the, 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 the spice has gone out of their relationship, and they All end right. up getting... Someone, some famous radio personality, like a book on tape, mm. talking about Mr. and Mrs. Erotic American. <laughs> and like, good, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Erotic American. And he mm. talks about, like... Uh, it wasn't Garrison Keillor, was it? might have been Garrison Keillor, but it was talking about, like, taking a bath together. And so, mm. but every time I hear the erotic rights of Frankenstein, I have to mm. say, the erotic <laughs> rights of Frankenstein. <laughs> Or Frankenstein, as of course it is correctly pronounced. Um, yeah, The Erotic Rites of Frankenstein is one of about a billion movies that were directed by Jess Franco. Jess Franco... Has at least 200 credits to his name. Give or take. He, and he, that's, he that's was, not an exaggeration. Uh, he's, he's done about 200 movies. He, um, he, he was like Corman. He would shoot multiple films at a time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he'd forget what he was working on and the project would just go away. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes there'd be multiple versions of the film. There are actually two versions of the erotic rites of Frankenstein. The version that is on the Kino uh, web uh, uh, streaming service mm. uh, is the more erotic of the two. The ones with a little bit more nudity. Uh, but that also has footage that isn't in the R-rated version. But the R-rated version also has, like, footage, and I heard maybe characters who aren't in the X-rated version. So they're actually very different films. <laughs> All right, well, we watched yes. the one that was on Kino Cult, uh, whichever Jess, version that might have been. Jess Franco specializes in, and I and I think if Jess Franco were here today... Hmm. He died uh, in 2013. He, he died in 2013. He had lived a very long, very eventful life. Uh, I'm pretty sure if Jess Franco would have, were alive today, he would not take exception to my use of the word sleaze. No, in he fact, he made uh, sleaze. Uh, Jess Franco. Jess Franco is his uh, how he was credited in mm. uh, the United States. His mm. name is Jesus. Yeah, um, I'm used to calling him Jess. Yeah, Je Jess Franco. Jess Franco. Um, Franco is on record on saying that he thinks he made. He just spent his career making shit. He yeah. does. He doesn't enjoy his own movies. Yeah. He's not one of those people who fancied himself an auteur or was like really into monsters or something. He just knew how to do the business yeah. and just churned them all out. Uh, he, um, we got to interview David Dakota, and I think David Dakota has a very similar view. Like he feels yeah. he made a couple good ones, yeah. But David Dakota knows what he's doing. He's just sort of churning out a lot of product. Yeah, it's a job. Yeah, yeah. it's a job, and um, he he mm. he has certain interests, and they each come out. He has a uh, a whole series with Vivica Fox right now. Uh, called uh, oh, it's like um, it's like the wrong series. It's like on mm. Lifetime. It's like uh, it's like the wrong babysitter, the wrong cheerleader oh, captain, yeah. and Vivica Fox. Like, is and in a villain infiltrates some local yeah, well, piece of Americana. The, I watched one. It was like the wrong cheer captain. Let me make sure I'm getting this <laughs> the right. wrong cheer captain. We just we just happened to like run into this randomly on on uh, on like a streaming service. Mm. Yeah, the wrong cheer captain was the one I saw, and it's about uh, a, a teenage girl moves into a new high school. And uh, she really wants to be cheer captain, but she's new 
and someone else has really put in the work and everyone else on the cheer team really respects them. So they get picked to be the new cheer captain. And then that new cheer captain mysteriously dies. And it turns out that the, and then the, this other girl becomes the cheer captain, but she has a mysterious past full of people who mysteriously died. And Vivica Fox plays like the protagonist's mother. Uh-huh. And at the end of the movie, and you, you, you can picture in your head how this movie goes. It's not really breaking the mold here. But at the end of the movie, when uh, they're wrapping everything up, and it's like, oh, so it turns out they had killed their previous cheer coach, and blah, 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 blah. And then Vivica Fox said, it's one of the last lines of the movie, looks like they picked the, the wrong, wrong cheer, cheer captain. captain. Uh-huh. And apparently, <laughs> in every single one of those movies, Vivica Fox says that. <laughs> and apparently, like it's it's these movies are very Does she very put popular. On her shades like David Caruso. She should. Oh, yeah. She should. But no. Apparently, in every single one of these damn things, she says that. And now, like when she's out and about, people ask her to say that. So, oh no! I, she loves it. She, she's right. executive producing these things. She's making a mint. So uh, among these, uh, let's see what we got here. The a new one's coming out soon called The Wrong High School Sweetheart. The Wrong Cheer Captain was the most recent one. The Wrong Valentine, The Wrong Prince Charming, The Wrong Mr. Right, The Wrong Fiancé, The Wrong Real Estate Agent, The Wrong Cheerleader Coach. And Just Franco did all of these, did he? Not, <laughs> I think David Dakota did all of them. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, the Wrong Stepfather, The Wrong Wedding Planner, The Wrong House Sitter, The Wrong Tutor, The Wrong Cheerleader, Back in Action, The Wrong Mommy, The Wrong Boy Next Door, The Wrong Stepmother, mm. The Wrong Teacher, the wrong friend, the wrong cruise. So they had some money on that one. Uh, and the list goes on. Uh, first off, kudos to everybody for finding a niche. Kudos to Vivica Fox for having like a 20 film franchise to herself right now. <laughs> kudos to everybody for having work to do, like actually being able to crank out some movies. Bless you for that. It's a fun, I, I had a blast watching that, that wrong mm. cheer captain movie. It's not good, but it's, fun stupid but uh, i digress my point is you can crank these things out and have a huge career and that's sure as hell what jess franco did but every once in a while jess franco would sort of do a project that was actually really really noteworthy and was actually oh. like really well received if not like at the time then certainly after the fact perhaps most famously uh vampiros lesbos yeah that was that was jess franco um, yeah that's probably he... his biggest critical success is this erotic uh, queer vampire movie, which is not a great movie. Great soundtrack, though. That well, soundtrack the, is a soundtrack you can really like put on on a date, like, and that, it that will came go from, well for you. I <laughs> came out at a time when Euro sleaze was really like kind of arty. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just projecting uh, Dario Argento's Suspiria last night, and yeah. Suspiria, you know. I get the suspicion that Dario Argento wasn't trying to make this gigantic stylized film. He was just doing what he thought looked interesting. Yeah, he and, thought it was uh, cool. So he thought, yeah, I'm going to do all of this really cool yeah. stuff. The, the movie he made makes, some successful movies. He had the freedom. Yeah, the movie makes no sense. Like yeah. the, the, the plot is kind of difficult to follow in Suspiria, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I appreciate the remake. They actually clarify everything. And yet it's still uh, confusing. And it's still confusing because <laughs> they add all this extra stuff and Tilda <laughs> Swinton is this old man. What's happening with the Bader-Meinhof complex? Yeah, the, the Bader-Meinhof group is in it. Why? Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, this is what uh, Just Franco and a lot of peers of his besides, you know, Mario Bava mm. and Lucio Fulci and you know, a, a lot of these genre filmmakers coming out of mm. uh, Europe and the rest of the world were thro- like just slapping together a lot of what they would mm. call schlock mm-hmm. and just putting cake frosting on everything. Yeah. 
Uh, you sometimes that would involve like really you know impressive photography or set design, as yeah. in the case with Suspiria. These movies certainly have an uh, aesthetic. In yeah. something like the erotic rites of Frankenstein, it's I have access to a castle and a cast willing to strip. So there's a lot of full frontal nudity. <laughs> yeah, there's there's quite and, a, and, the, and it's also worth remembering this is the nineteen this nineteen seventies, right? Uh, Seventy three. This movie yeah, came out. The, the lines. So, uh, wait, let me yeah. double check that. Um, Go on. Oh gosh, I lost it. You can do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but regardless, erotica in the 1970s was at an interesting place. Again, yeah. nowadays people get most of their erotica at home. 73, yes. Without having to leave the comfort of their home and without having mm. to, you know, be public uh, about it. But, uh, and whether or not that's a positive thing, we'll leave for another conversation. But, uh, you know, there was erotica in the movie theater, mm. there was porn in the movie theater. You have to pay for a ticket and see a 35 millimeter projected pornographic film. To see that porn, unless you got like a stag reel or something, uh, and act like films that were just pruriently and forgive the term nakedly erotic, <laughs> uh, were, were could be really big business, especially in the grindhouse mm. circuit. So Jess Franco specialized for a lot of his career in movies which technically had a plot. Like we're, technically, but mostly the, we're here to see some naked people I, uh, and some BDSM and sadism. You know, I, I find it curious that we have to the the way we're talking about it. We kind of have to apologize for porn now. Mm. Uh, this used to be a regular staple of exploitation filmmaking. It wasn't just violence; it was sex as well. Yeah. Sex, blood, violence, and rock, sex, blood, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, and these were the things you found in the off off the beaten path grindhouse movie theaters and in the drive-ins. These were the things people were thirsting for. Mm-hmm. Uh, thirsting for? That's yeah, changed yeah, yeah, meaning yeah. now. Uh, and these days you don't see as much sex in our exploitation movies. No. For, first of all, the exploitation material is now a Hollywood production. A lot of it, the, yeah. The kind of uh, like science fiction genre mm. violence and battles, that's all like PG-13 blockbusters That, that used now. to be B-movies and, and Z-movies. Yeah, and now yeah, they're like, big. But we still have exploitation cinema, but it's got to be, it, it just has a different form now. Yeah, well, and, and you go to sort of low-budget horror cinema now, and you know stuff like Blumhouse is doing, and that's also PG-13. It's all very, mm. uh, very teen-oriented, and mm. there's a lot less sex in it. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of actors are reticent to do sex scenes. Oh yeah, because of because the, of websites like Mr. Skin that yeah. take whatever nude scene they do completely out of context. Yeah, so it doesn't matter what the nude scene is; it's going to be porn somewhere. Yeah, it used to be the idea is you might make a, you might do nudity in a movie, and a few mm. people would see it, and then it would be gone. There was no home video. Yeah, for yeah, a long it, time, it wasn't going to like, be. So if, a, a if someone of, didn't happen to see a movie in that theater, they would never yeah. see it, and then your identity would be like you—you you could just forget all about it, and it yeah. would just be that uh, thing you did once, and now it's permanent. So Wes, I, that does change the way this works. Wes Craven directed porn films. Yes, he did. He never uh, revealed which ones. No, and he—he he said he was never going to. It's like that's something I. Yes, that's something I did. No, I don't want you to see them. That was supposed to be a secret. Um, so yeah, uh, doing uh, a, doing this kind very of very sonnet felt. Mm-hmm. Cinematographer for uh, the Coen Brothers and eventually directed films like The Addams Family. Yeah, uh, he he was a director of photography on Born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, also didn't tell people what they were. No, because <laughs> uh, this was supposed to be a secret. These yeah. were temporary That's jobs why, that you took. And indeed, indeed, I knew a lot of people who uh, like in in high school. Like I knew mm-hmm. people who like their parents were in the industry and they were like makeup artists or whatever. But when then they worked on major motion pictures, but they would also work on some high end pornography, and that's mm-hmm. why you have the alias. 
mm. because that pays. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a paying gig. You take that job, mm. but it you also don't want to have the exact same name on that resume when you're doing like a Disney Channel movie, right? right you know, right. it doesn't look great. So like it's. It, um. A bit hypocritical, the, but what are you going to do? There was a time when uh, eroticism in film was a little bit more open. Yes, this was pre-VHS. So, you know, if, mm. if you're going to go see a dirty movie, people will see you go do that. Yeah. So if you're an adult, you just sort of proudly hold your head high and say, one ticket mm-hmm. to the dirty movie, please. Yeah. There are a lot of wonderful uh, Vox Pops clips you can find online of uh, people seeing Deep Throat when that yeah. was a huge hit. Deep and, Throat was a mainstream yeah. success. People all over the world were going it's, to see it's it. It's really hard to stress just what a big deal Deep Throat was. It's a weird thing, man. And yeah, and if you've seen Deep Throat, why that one? It's not it's, that good. <laughs> it's not even that good. It's like, it's, it's like this goofy slapstick yeah. comedy. Uh, anyway, yeah. um, so sex was a lot a lot more open a part of the B movie conversation yeah. uh back in the day and these days i think uh, you know, there've been many many articles written about how sex is not a big part of mainstream cinema right now it's true. especially you know the, the avengers film has come under a lot of fire for not having any kind of sexuality in them whatsoever yeah uh, and so when we talk about here's a movie with nudity we're talking about it as if it's this like weird sort of outlier or novelty <laughs> When really this was pretty par for the course for Eurosleaze uh, yeah. well, Greenhouse Theaters. And again, I, I think it's important. I know a lot of people listen to our podcast and we're mm. not telling them anything that they don't already know. But I also know that some younger people are listening to our podcast and they don't know everything about uh, cinema history or they no. don't necessarily know how uh, pervasive certain trends were. And I want to make sure they're not left behind here. And I want to make sure they understand that uh, there, there was a time when this kind of erotic sleaze erotic sleaze and there's a difference between erotic like you know actually like classy Hmm. and erotic sleaze and I think the erotic rights of Frankenstein which is a very loose retelling of Frankenstein (laughs) with a lot of like torture Hmm. and a lot of whipping and And, a lot of weird costume designs and a bird person I don't understand the bird person at all we need to talk okay so here's 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 the erotic rights of Frankenstein this movie's very Hmm. short by the way well, uh, but yeah, to, to yeah. There, look up uh, Jess Franco, look up uh, uh, Tinto Brass, look yeah. up Radley Metzger, uh, look up Russ Meyer. They're mm-hmm. all these. Uh, Russ Meyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russ Meyer is actually one of the better filmmakers of that group. Actually, He's, He's, Russ uh, Meyer made as, some very good movies. as filmmaking goes. Yes, yeah, but these were all people yeah. who were very clearly fixated on nude female bodies and uh, put them in their movies a lot. Um, but I digress. Uh, damn it, I said it again. Someone pointed uh, out that I, I said that all the time, and now I'm like, I... We, we go on tangents, you want to I guess, get us back on track? I guess I, I just... It's, I Tell me want... the story of the erotic rights okay. of Frankenstein, because this is a bonkers movie. Okay, so the erotic rights of Frankenstein opens with Dr. Frankenstein and his uh, his assistant, who is not named Igor, it's named something else. Um, they have created a Frankenstein monster. I actually like the design of the Frankenstein monster. He's metallic silver, he's, which is kind of neat. I think he, it's he's supposed to be like a robot of some kind. He's definitely supposed to be like a little bit more artificial than that. It's it's kind of neat, actually. I just think it's, I haven't really seen that before. Well, the, the monster is played by Fernando, Fernando Bilbao, who's a yeah. big hunky dude who's in a lot of movies. Uh, and uh, he's created a Frankenstein monster. He's put a human brain in the monster. I like the bit where there's a, the jar with the human brain in it. 
And the jar has like an opening that's way too small for the brain. Mm. So the only way to get the brain out would be like to squish it, which just <laughs> makes me laugh. Um, he puts the brain in the Frankenstein monster and he's like, haha, I've created a Frankenstein monster. Finally, my goal is complete. And beware if someone else had created a Frankenstein monster. Well, and uh, the way that, that Dr. Frankenstein uh, has sort of innovated this resurrection is not through like the usual uh, James Whale or, electricity yeah. lightning thing. He's invented an in, like an invisible space ray. Yeah. It's like a, a beam that fires into the body and just brings you to life. Which is more efficient and cheaper to make in your movie. Because uh, <laughs> you just have to have a single static shot and a light bulb yeah, behind a just door. Just someone pressing a button and then you're good. Um, but no sooner has he created his Frankenstein monster than who bursts in through the door but... Cagliostro, <laughs> totally new addition to the Frankenstein mythos, uh, and his assistant, Melissa, who is, at first I thought she was a plant woman, because she's covered in green, but she's covered she's... in green feathers, and she's got knife fingers, and she's constantly, like, hooting like a shrike, yeah. <laughs> and it turns out that she's a bird woman who is also blind, who can speak through Cagliostro's brain, and... She's also she's a, his hired killer. She's a, a yeah, his psychic assassin uh, sidekick. Um, yeah, she's played by Lena Romay, who would make a lot of movies with Jess Franco. <laughs> a lot of movies with Jess Franco, uh, and uh, they just kill everybody. They kill Doctor Frankenstein. They kill not Igor, and uh, then they take the Frankenstein monster for themselves and they bring it back to their castle. And turns out their scheme oh, is uh, Lena Romay was was not the Bird Woman. I thought she was. No, she. The the old psychic lady that was Lena Romay, uh, the bird the woman was lady. played by uh, an actress named Anne Liebert. Are you sure? Yeah, I could have sworn I looked this up. Well, now aren't and, I the and, asshole? And Kelly, o- that's okay. You got got a detail wrong. Um, okay. Ostra is played by an actor named Howard Vernon. Frankenstein is played oh, by right. Dennis Price. Uh, this is one of those. You're right. I apologize. One yeah. of those uh, European productions where yeah. everybody spoke their own language oh, yeah. and everybody was dubbed. Yeah. Sometimes dubbing themselves. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's I was, the way a lot of European productions mm, went, though. Everybody spoke their own language because these were going to be in, uh, distributed internationally. Mm-hmm. So you could dub it into whatever language you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't really matter what language you were speaking on set. Sometimes films were even shot without audio. All right. So to credit where credit is due, mm-hmm. the bird woman is played by Anne Liebert. Liebert, uh, excuse me. Uh, but, uh, and yeah, Lena Romay plays another character. I don't know how I messed that up. Because right. uh, I've seen Lena Romay before. How did I do that? I'm embarrassed. Anyway, I digress. Damn it! <laughs> but, ah! Uh, Anyway, uh, so but they Franken- take the Frankenstein monster and they, dead. and they take him back to Cagliostro. Cagliostro is a sorcerer who is constantly being reborn to torment humanity. And he has a castle full of like naked women who really just want to make him happy. And uh, a lot of cult dudes and like people, skull masks. A lot, and, uh, there, a lot of uh, eyes wide shut imagery mm-hmm. here where people gather. He has these regular sort of ritualistic orgy-like things where... Okay, he has like nude people stand in the middle of a room, all masked people surround them, and then they get whipped until they fall over dead. And yeah. well, they fall over on a bed of spikes. That's right. That's the idea. Yeah. It's like they you got to like stand up as long as you can because if you fall over, you fall mm-hmm. on the bed of spikes, and like, well, that's not good, and then you die. The film is called The Erotic Rites of Frankenstein, but there's no real eroticism. There's a lot of <gasps> naked bodies in the movie. Yeah, the actual eroticism is bare minimum. Nobody like has any sort of like fun, lusty sex yeah. in the movie at all. Yeah, there, there's there's no actual like desire in the movie. It's actually very unpleasant. Uh, the, so, the only like the, the only couplings are between uh, the bird woman and her victims, mm-hmm. because 
one of like one of her uh, hobbies is she likes to sort of hunt people down and just kind of like peck them to death. Yeah. Like she, I'm, I think she's drinking their blood. I think more than anything, she just uh, wants to kill them. I, I this is a totally new idea for a villain for me, and I kind mm-hmm. of love it, and I want to see more of these of these villains. Yeah. In movies, but um. Anyway, but now there's, a, there's an, plan. An, an heir he, to the Frankenstein throne. Here's the plan. Mm-hmm. Cogliostro takes the Frankenstein monster. He's going to use the Frankenstein monster to kidnap attractive virgins from nearby towns, which he had no shortage of. I don't know why he needed a Frankenstein monster <laughs> for this. Just get the bird lady to do it. But anyway, he gets the Frankenstein monster to kidnap attractive women. And then uh, and then just sort of take them, mm-hmm. bring them over to the, to the palace. And they're going to take the best parts of each and make a bride of Frankenstein. And then the Frankenstein monster and the Bride of Frankenstein are going to create like a new race of Super Frankenstein's, uh, and uh, oh, that's the plan for some reason. I don't know why Cogliostro's got a bug up his butt about that, but it's really important to him. And uh, you know well, what? You, Say you, what you will about Cogliostro; he's devoted to his goals. You, you know when you got an idea and he just can't shake it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Vera Dr. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. <laughs> Doctor Frankenstein's daughter Vera, also rarely discussed except maybe in Billy the Kid meets Frankenstein's daughter. Uh, she shows up and is like, hey, someone killed my dad. The fuck was that? And uh, so she's, she takes her dad's corpse from the cemetery, brings it back home, uses the machine on it, and she just says, dad, who killed you? How can I get revenge? Mm-hmm. And then he gives like a five-minute speech where he says everything but the guy's like, name. Oh, an evil, an evil man. Super evil. <laughs> so he is, like, this is so the worst. his evil will take and, over the world. What's his, his name? Oh, my goodness. He's so evil. <laughs> Like, Dad, this movie's like 73 minutes long. We don't need that much padding. Come on. Look, I'd slap you, but you're dead. (laughs) Finally, he says the goddamn name is Cogliostro, Mm -hmm. and Vera Frankenstein's like, okay, then. Well, clearly Cogliostro is using the Frankenstein monster to kidnap young women. So I'm going to, like, stalk young women in town, and then uh, when Frankenstein monster tries to kidnap one of them, my brilliant plan, don't ask for part two of this plan. (laughs) <laughs> Only ask about part one of this plan. <laughs> step two, question mark. Step three, profit. I'll figure it out later, I suppose. Is uh, when the Frankenstein monster kidnaps the latest woman, um, Vera Frankenstein confronts the monster and says, Hey, you were made by Dr. Frankenstein. And the Frankenstein monster's like, Yeah. And she's like, Well, then you should be taking orders from that guy. And he wants you to like ditch that lady and take me instead. And the Frankenstein monster's like, I don't give a shit. Fine, whatever. I'm, give me the. I'm give a big, me you. I'm a big <laughs> silvery monster. Yeah. I just want to yeah. pound people with he, my fists. He has very little dialogue in the movie. I'm translating his, his body and language for you. Um, <laughs> and then he picks up Vera Frankenstein, and she's like, "Well, here we go." And then uh, he carries her off to the castle, and Cogliostro immediately recognizes that it's Vera Frankenstein because guy does his research. I guess. Well, is, I guess he's seen her before. <laughs> I yeah. guess. Uh, and he's like, "Oh, you're Vera Frankenstein." Um, well, I guess I'll have to torture you and stuff. And she's like, ah, shnikes. And so he, like, he, he, he takes, he, he strips her nude and he takes, like, his chauffeur, who I guess betrayed him by, like, leaving the bird lady out all night. And then he strips him naked and he says, hey, everybody, come look at this. And everyone's like, why? What is it? And then he's like, okay, well, I've stripped him naked. You see, I put him back to back like this. And, like, yeah, we get it. And he's like, okay, and then, then we're going to whip him. And everyone's like, and what will this accomplish, Cagliostro? Shut up. And whichever one of them falls over, like, face first, will die, and the other one will be saved because the knives on the floor uh-huh. will get to them. And then that one will probably also meet an unpleasant end. It seems like a saw trap. It's a bit mm. like a saw trap. And so uh, they do it for a while. 
And then the, the chauffeur falls over and Vera Frankenstein's like kind of fine. And mm-hmm. then uh, Cagliostro hypnotizes her and says, hey, Vera Frankenstein, uh, I need you to use your Frankenstein knowledge uh, to resurrect this Bride of Frankenstein that I want. Hmm. And which raises the question, how were you going to do it without her in the first place, Cagliostro? <laughs> what was your plan? But anyways, he didn't steal the machinery. He just killed Dr. Frankenstein and took the monster. Like, but anyway, she's going to build this machine. And when it, it's be when a thing. it didn't work out, he decided, oh, yeah. we actually need the, that machine. So she, so he hypnotizes Vera Frankenstein into building the Frankenstein thing. Meanwhile, there's these two other loser doctors who don't know Frankenstein stuff and don't believe well, in Frankenstein what, stuff. Because one of them is Dr. Seward from Dracula. Oh, that's right. It is Dr. <laughs> I thought that sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we're playing real Seward, fast and loose with shit here. Um, it was, was at uh, the the asylum. He, he ran the asylum in Dracula. Yeah. He was the one overseeing Renfield. So Doctor Seward is brought in. Uh, he he finds out from uh, Vera Frankenstein's assistant that there's a creepy bird lady and Cagliostro is a thing, and he's like, okay, well, I guess we better go over there. And so they go over there and they sneak in, and it's really hilarious when they sneak in because they're like, it's in like bright day for night, and they're like creeping up against the wall, and it's like they're in the middle of the fucking garden. It's like you can totally see them. Uh, uh, that, that's something that. Movies has endured me to mm. is the day for night stuff. It's like we're sneaking under under cover yeah. of night, but there's more light than there would be during the day. Always makes me laugh. I can't get over it. Um, anyway, but they sneak in and they tell the Frankenstein monster, "Hey, that Cagliostro guy is giving you orders. He killed Doctor Frankenstein. You should be mad at him." And meanwhile, I'm thinking about the monster, and the monster is like, "I didn't know my dad. I was created for like two seconds, and then Cagliostro killed him." I guess. In principle, I should be mad, but you're, I don't have a deep emotional connection to Doctor Frankenstein that you think, seem to think I do. You're, you're making this movie seem a lot more clear than it feels. Well, I'm trying to clarify it to well, people well, but, because it's not. And then it turns out that, like, okay, so we've created this Bride of Frankenstein. Everyone gather around. We're going to watch the Frankenstein monster have sex with this other Frankenstein monster, no, no, and no, then no, they're going to well, create well, like a super race of Frankenstein monsters, and everyone gather around. It will not be hot. No, it's like... It will be really uh, awkward. Let's stand around and watch these people have sex. You'd think that would be like a party. Yeah. It'd be fun. No, Everyone having a good it's time. It's all very in this like, cold castle yeah. and the guy's painted yeah. silver. Anyway, right before the, the Frankenstein monster is about to do anything, he was like, oh, right, I should be mad and stuff. So he starts killing everybody. And I was like, no, ah. v- Vera says, no, that, that guy's exploiting you. Mm, was and, it Vera or Seward? Oh, no, it was Seward. Yeah, yeah, he, bro- Vera, he, broke, he breaks in. I was... Under, I was Kind of stoked for this idea of like Dr. Frankenstein's daughter, the avenging angel, mm. to come in and like use her science powers to like fight Cogliostro and stuff. I was really disappointed that she spends half the movie hypnotized by Cogliostro, and then at the end of the movie, she's just killed by the Frankenstein monster. Yeah, it's well, like that's, that's this was, Frankenstein movie. Everybody, she yeah. didn't really do anything, she was the hero though. She, I don't know, she hoisted kind of, on her own petard. Yeah, anyway, and then the Frankenstein monster, like Cogliostro gets away. And then everyone's like, well, he'll be back. Okay, cool. I'm glad we're setting up that sequel. And then uh, the Frankenstein monster is shot in the head, which I guess would do it. It kills his brain. Yeah. Most things die if you kill their brain, Whitney. Yeah, exactly. Except for cockroaches. Really? Yeah. You can cut off a cockroach's head and it will live until it starves to death. (laughs) If it could stuff food down its own esophagus, then it would keep on living. That is weird and morbid. Uh, but anyway, uh, and then and then the movie ends, and we're all like, "Yay, that was sleazy," because it was really oh. sleazy. 
Watching this movie, uh, I'd say it feels like the TV edit if it weren't for all the nudity. But yeah, it, it feels like there's a lot of big chunks of the movie missing. It's not like, concerned we, with things like narrative or or, or even basic clarity. No, uh, it, it just you're you're, you're sort <laughs> of in, intuiting uh, connections in the plot where Jess Franco didn't really bother to put stuff in. Yeah, Jess Franco is not concerned. He knows that you want nudity uh, and violence and monsters, and it doesn't really matter what order those go in or whether they're in the same scene, mm-hmm. or whether any part of it is actually erotic. No, again, I'm not, ju- again, I'm not judging you if you if you find any, you know, whatever is fine. If you find this movie erotic, someone must have. These movies made money. Oh, but what, I personally please, don't see. Your boat, yeah, but yeah. I personally am watching this, and I'm just like, I see the ingredients of eroticism here. But hmm. I'm actually not seeing anything I'm seeing a lot of sexy. Nu- yeah, I'm seeing nude bodies, but yeah. they're just sort of standing in the middle of the room. Sometimes they're strapped to gurneys. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, close-ups. If, if you want to know how people like, style their pubic hair, like that's... Young uh, Frankenstein yeah. is sexier than this movie. And, <laughs> and that's actually a pretty I'm, sexy movie, actually, if you think I'm, about it. There's I'm a lot looking, of sex in that film. I'm looking up uh, how many films uh, Just Franco directed just this year. Yeah, because he, he was d- prolific. He was, he was just shooting things on the fly, and yeah. it's he entirely possible that he was shooting. He thought he might have been shooting scenes for this movie <laughs> when he was actually actually shooting scenes for another one. Let's I see. Suppose uh, that's possible. 1973. This is not from IMDb. He did films called Relax, Baby, mm. Tender and Perverse Emmanuel, mm. The Sinister Eyes of Doctor Orloff, uh, El Misterio del Castillo Rojo. Al Otro Lado del Espejo, A Virgin Among the Living Dead, Lovers mm. of Devil's Island, Sinner, colon, The Secret Diary of a Nymphomaniac, this film, uh, The Erotic Rites of Frankenstein, 15-Year-Old Captain, Female Vampire, <laughs> Eugenie de Sade, Les Demons, Les Ebranlés, The Vengeance of Dr. Mabu... Oh, and uh, then we're into 1972. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8... 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 films he directed in 1973 alone. Yep. That's kind of a lot. He was in a hurry. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and the actors are probably, you know, they probably blew a couple lines, but you wouldn't know it because they're all dubbed. Yeah, so who cares? Mm. Yeah, we're, 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 we're speeding along through this thing, and if it edits together, cool. And if it doesn't, I don't know, that's what music's for. And then we'll be fine. And you just have to admire, if nothing else, and maybe nothing else, mm. uh, uh, the uh, almost train-like efficiency of this. Where we're just listen. It doesn't matter what scenery we pass; mm. we move forward. Yeah. And then more things will happen. Are they connected to anything we saw before? Who gives a shit? We move on from them as fast as we can. And at the end, we get to where we're going, and where we're going is the credits. And then we disembark from this train, and then we go do something else with our lives. I'm reminded of uh, Craig Ferguson, who had a, his own late night talk show for many, many years. He had one philosophy when it came to doing interviews. Yeah. Get to the end. No, I, I, I yeah. actually, I interviewed him, and I asked yeah. him, what's the secret to doing good interviews? And he said, just get to the end. Yeah. People just want to hear him talk. Just let him talk, and then if you get to the commercial, you win. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, he, he, he had no, like skill or structure is like just do it just get it done yeah 
Uh, which you know, there's there's an integrity to that efficiency. And if, I feel if you're like... not doing hard hitting, penetrating, you know, Barbara Walters type journalism, and you're just doing a late night show where everyone's just having a little bit of fun, mm. totally fine. There's a robot isn't it? skeleton on that show. For God's yeah, sake, totally... nobody, nobody's here to take it seriously. Jess Franco is not here to be taken seriously either. But and it's another one where if you look at his films mm. in the aggregate, boy, did he have a, a he he had a thing. There was a thing he did, and he did it on screen many times, and many, it was kind of weird, many times. and people seemed to like it. Uh, th- this was the kind of film that we would run into uh, on cable late at night. Mm-hmm. Um, my friends and I, when we were teenagers, we never had the gall to rent a film like this, because the, the mm. per- person at the rental store knew what we were getting into. Yeah. Uh, th- and I think this is why you know people prefer getting their pornography at home. They don't have to face another person. Yes, yeah. and I'm... You don't have to necessarily announce your kink to somebody that you might be, you know, exploring or maybe a little bit embarrassed mm-hmm. about. Um, Although I do miss, I do miss, I was, I did work at a video store once that actually did have a pornographic section. I worked oh. at some big major ones, which didn't, but I did work at a, at a video store that did have an adult section. And one of my favorite things was when people would come in and they wanted to rent pornography and they didn't know what to get. And so they mm. asked. Yeah. And we got to have a nice, polite conversation about, oh, you want to get something, it's your husband's birthday, and you want to rent something sexy, but you also want to rent something that won't turn you off. Yeah. So like, we actually had a conversation about, what what do you find hot? What, what film, make, what, yeah. what's, what sort yeah. of you Okay, you wouldn't like sort of this acts. because yeah. this isn't, this is totally not your vibe, or this is a kink mm. you just said you're not into, and then we just sort of whittled it down. And there was something very healthy about it. Mm. I, I, I kind of missed that, actually. It didn't happen often, but when it happened, it was really healthy. I, I worked at a video store called Vidiots, and uh, they, yeah. they did have an adult film section, but it was in a binder. Yeah. They didn't actually have the tapes out in the store, um, yeah. because people would choplift it. I guess they were too embarrassed yeah. to rent it, so they would just take it. Yeah. Uh, also, people could, just, you know, younger people could just exactly. see it, yeah. and it just so wasn't worth happening. I get it. Yeah, it the the store wasn't laid out, so you could, like, wall yeah. off a section so kids yeah. couldn't go in. It so, yeah, it was, it was in a binder, and, you know, you could tell if somebody was looking at the binder. And there was one film there, and it was pretty paltry selection. Not sure. paltry, but, you know... It, they, they, that wasn't their specialty. Spe- specialized section. It was yeah. very carefully uh, curated. Yeah. One film was never rented, and it was the porn parody of Beetlejuice. <laughs> and, and it was like the only kind of like gonzo porn that that the store oh had. Uh, so I had a uh, I I, uh, uh, I I don't want to say the title because it's gross. Oh but, uh, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, there's certain porn parodies where you're just like, you just did this because you could. Like you, you didn't you, do this because anyone. Asked for this. You thought of the pun before you thought of the film. Well, or even or even after the pun wave ended, and it was just like this ain't Cheers or whatever. Hmm. Like, did anyone want an erotic parody of Curb Your Enthusiasm? Because that exists. Yeah. Does anyone uh, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm the, uh, just like I just I really want to see Larry David had sex. I just really want it. Like, like a, a porno version of, might. of like exist, a but. porno version of like Batman and Robin. You understand because there's a lot of unspoken eroticism in Batman and Robin, or you yeah, might you might kink. turn there's turn on by the outfits. outfits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So making like a straight up X-rated version with those outfits kind of makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I don't see people doing the same thing with Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Maybe they're they're out there. I'm sure there is. I know uh, there's something for everybody, but like mm. it's 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 not necessarily something people would gravitate to. Which brings me back to mm. the erotic rights of Frankenstein and some of the other uh, uh, erotic monster movies mm. that uh, Jess Franco did and other people of his generation. Uh, people grew up with monster movies. These were the big hits of the 1930s and the silent era as well. 
they were the hammer horror had eroticized them further in the 1950s and 60s uh these were characters who lived on the fringe of society and many of them had a sexual component to their appeal. Mm. Dracula is seductive. Dracula is obsessed with, I mean, they're not typically the ones we use in sex, but bodily fluids. There's a intimacy when he sucks from your neck. Yeah. That's sexual. And so turning that into something even more sleazy makes sense. Frankenstein, I mean, look, you're putting together, it's this uh, fetishization of the human body. You know, we're putting together this, like, ultimate muscular giant man. Mm. We're creating a bride for that creature. That, it tracks. It makes a certain amount of sense. So, this particular kind of erotic takeoff of familiar material, whether or not this is a particularly good example of it, is a natural extrapolation of what's in there. Mm. Uh, it's not necessarily a thing everyone would focus on. Certainly it's not something everyone to everyone's taste. But at the very least, this tracks. Yeah. And so we can see, like, okay, I can understand... The, the, the blending of yeah. sex and classical monsters. The, the, look, uh, uh, Shape of Water won Best Picture, and that's basically, yeah, the, ero- that's basically the romantic, erotic adventures of the Gill Man. Mm. Uh, that's, that's a... Reductive, but it's essentially yeah, that yeah. it's a, it's a monster movie. But we're focusing if, if on the romance and the mm. physical attraction. If your kink is really cold water, yeah. then The Shape of Water will do it for you. Oh, there you go. Um, so, um, I, in the end, I do not recommend the Erotic Nights of Frankenstein. I think there are people who <laughs> already the, know if they want to see erotic, it or not. Erotic rights. What did I say? You said knights. Yeah. I like to think Erotic Nights with a K. The Erotic <laughs> Nights of. Frankenstein. <laughs> um. No, I don't. I can't say I recommend this movie. It's not a good movie. It does definitely have a niche, mm. and I think people who are interested in this particular brand of and it's affectionately labeled Euro sleaze. Mm-hmm. And there are people who have actually like been inspired by Euro sleaze to create movies that have this vibe, but maybe have a bit are about something a bit more in depth, a bit more classy. Mm. Uh, um, and there's a Blu-ray of this that has yeah. some pretty well-researched commentary tracks. Uh, just Franco. Uh, was an interesting person. I'll be, like, he made this Eurosleys movies, but like we said, he didn't think very highly of his own movies. Uh, he actually wanted, yeah. to, like, had aspirations to make greater films and actually had, you know, a really interesting political point of view and was super anti-fascist. And, uh, not, like, not a lot of that emerges in this movie, but if you maybe mm. start to view a lot of Just Franco movies, you start to see a lot of motifs recur, and I think if you're going to start anywhere, here's as good a place as any. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to sort of pick and choose the good ones out of such a vast filmography. Generally speaking, again, the the, the one that people tend to focus on as the best Just Franco movie tends to be uh, Vampiros Lesbos, mm. uh, which is also kind of impenetrable and weird uh but it definitely does have a more consistent tone it's a bit more erotic i i wouldn't it, it's not quite for me but i can see why it would be more effective and and again just the soundtrack alone just track down the soundtrack to that movie that is awesome 70s slinky loungy yeah. you know sexy music uh so that part's really really great um but um yeah i think that's a great place. If you only want to see one, I think that's the one to see. I haven't, obviously, I haven't seen every Jess Franco movie because I don't think Jess Franco has. Um, <laughs> he didn't watch his movies. No. <laughs> he edited them and kicked them out the door. Uh, so, yeah, it's hard to see them all. If you really wanted to, you could try. 
of the quite a few Jess Franco films I've seen, Vampires Lesbos is the one I'd recommend mm. the most. Uh, this is this is a lean. Oh, and uh, he also did the the Castle of Fu Manchu under a pseudonym. That was an MST3K episode. Oh, he's he's done a. Let me look up some of his pseudonyms. Uh, J. P. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus Franco is his name. We call him Jess Franco. That's like his most commonly uh, credited mm-hmm. uh, name. Clifford Brown ah, was yes. was a, a, a pseudonym he used for a while. A. M. Frank. Wolfgang Frank. Uh, Rick DeConnick. Which okay. is, seems like a, 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 yeah, Wolfgang Frank is a good one. I like yeah. that. Rose Maria Almoral. Sorry, Rosa Maria Almoral. All right. Uh, David Tuff. James Gardner. <laughs> Dan L. Simon. Uh, these, these are all the same guy. <laughs> Adolf M. Frank. Oof. <laughs> anyway. Um, Roland Marsignac. <laughs> I think we're done. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's the erotic nights of Frankenstein. Great. That's the erotic nights of Frankenstein. There's a lot of other stuff on Kino Cult. Uh, we encourage you to check it out because it's interesting stuff. Uh, thank you to every one of our patrons who voted for this. I hope I hope you're happy. I hope this is what you wanted. Uh, but uh, in any case, next time on Critically Reclaimed, we're headed back over to HBO Max, and uh, you know it's Halloween. Everyone's talking about uh, scary stuff. We're going to do some light comedies. Why not? We're going to counter-program. We don't have to... We'll, we'll, we'll do some more horror content throughout the... Uh, sorry. We'll do some more horror podcasts throughout the month. You said the C word. I know. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to break myself yeah. of that. But we'll do some more horror stuff throughout the month. Uh, the Iron List that looks like it's going to be a list of the best uh, horror comedies. And we'll probably do that sooner than later in case anyone wants to watch some of our stuff for the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, next time we're talking about comedies... On HBO Max, and um, without giving away who picked what, uh, these are the films that will be on the poll. Uh, Clint Eastwood and an orangutan in every which way but loose. Uh, Ryan O'Neill and Barbara Streisand in What's Up, Doc. Jennifer Garner, and I think it's Mark Ruffalo in that movie, right? In 13 Going on 30? 13 Going on 30. Yeah. Oh, a thirty-year-old woman. Uh, wait, uh, the thirteen-year-old wake girl up wakes up, her, up in her thirty-year-old body. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's like, like she skips forward yeah. in time. Uh, and uh, then we have uh, uh, Parker Posey and Hope Davis in the indie comedy Day Trippers. So whichever one of those gets the most votes, and we usually do the polls up for about two days uh, on critically acclaimed Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/criticallyacclaimednetwork. Uh, we will review that next time on Critically Reclaimed. So thank you, everybody, for joining in. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Thank you, everybody, especially our patrons who voted and, of course, contribute and keep this show and all our other shows going. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. We're incredibly grateful to you. Thank you so much for your contributions. Um, and uh, we hope you're enjoying the exclusive shows we have on the Critically Acclaimed Network Patreon. We have shows about Batman, Star Trek, the Academy Awards. That one's a little bit late. We're working on getting that, too, hopefully this weekend. Um but uh, yeah, we do commentary tracks, we have an online hangout every single month, and of course you can vote for episodes of our shows like this one. Uh, so th- thank you for that. Uh, if you want to talk about anything we discussed on this episode, uh, we would love to hear from you, because we talked about some interesting stuff on this episode. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We might read your email on an upcoming episode of Critically Acclaimed's We've Got Mail podcast. Whitney, what is our P.O. Box for those who prefer the old-fashioned yes. way? Go ahead and send us a letter. Uh, it's P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah. And, of course, we're on Twitter, at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And until next time, uh, you know, 
something, get, get, catch up on your sleep. Something about reclamation. Yeah, eat well. Uh, you know, make sure you're getting your vegetables in. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to nag, but you know, it helps. Um, <laughs> Drink lots of water. Lots of water. Cannot yeah. overstate this enough. Drink a lot of water. Uh, uh, it's good for you. Anyway, bye. Thank you.